0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: 2 and one eight
2: You're listening to Ron Siegel's Home and Finance Radio Show, only on financial news and talk. Now live in studio, your host, local and national real estate expert, and consumer advocate
3: ron siegel and hello again welcome to ron siegel radio this is the show with no real boundaries as we discuss current events financial markets politics sports we even poke fun at the rest of the media this is the show that connects the dots of confusion delivered by conflicting media reports we connect the dots so you know the actions you can take how your family or business can benefit from current events most of all Thank you for joining me. Within every market, there are solutions as well as tremendous opportunities. You just need some trusted guidance. That is my message, and I will be delivering it every day. We're very focused, Joe. We only chat about items that affect the roof over your head, your bank account, and anything I feel would benefit you. And let me remind you, if you ever have any home or finance-related questions, I am the consumer advocate looking out for you, and you can reach out to me directly. 800-306-1990, 800-306-1990, 800-306-1990, 800-306-1990, or Just remember, that's the number you call anytime time for assistance. When you call that number, it comes directly to me first. There are no operators standing by. I am it. Casting. Quiet,
2: numbskulls. I'm broadcasting.
3: Well, I do have a great team when it comes to developing a financing plan, a plan to save you money. I personally work with you. Even if you don't have any needs today, save this number in your phone for a future reference. 800 306 1990. And of course, we celebrate every day on Ron Segal Radio. Gotta, gotta find something to say, especially after a long weekend that we had. I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, long, I enjoyed it. I uh, hope you did too. Celebrations today uh national personal space day it is what it is national mason jar day i got a bad
2: feeling about that one i got a bad feeling about
3: this what are we putting in the mason jar i just don't know stay home because you're well day yeah i think we could do that one national moose day not the one that runs around this is why i'm excited about this one is because this is the moose you eat what's your favorite moose Uh, I like chocolate mousse myself. just say that out there for you. And today, yes, Cyber Monday. So that is all of our celebrations of the day today. Let's take a look and see what the markets are doing today. The Dow Jones Industrial Average now, it's down 401
0: points.
3: S&P 500 down 34. NASDAQ down 84. Oil down 46 cents a barrel. 212.7 212.7 is the national average of a gallon of gasoline, and yes, indeed, if you go to Missouri, you're going to pay and a dollar That's the average. One seventy six and a half in Missouri, Calisuela. We're at three eighteen point six. You know, it's just uh, it is, Cal- Calisuela. Nothing like a little air superiority, and we think we know best about everything. Uh, we are the only thing we're really excellent. I mean, the only thing we can really say for 100% certainty that we do do, do do, that we do better than anybody else in the land is, yes, indeed, we are very, very good at taxing. So we watch that all the time for you. Let's see what the markets are doing in the bond side. Ten-year treasury, it's up just a little bit. That's to be expected when the yield goes up. basically, we're looking at that one and saying, okay, if the stock market is down 400 points, where is that money going? Where is it going? Yeah. More often than not, it's going to be going into the bonds. So that's kind of the issue there. You would expect, though, that the bonds would be going down or the bond price would be going up, yielded down. But that's not what's happening on the 10-year treasury. It is exactly what's happening on the mortgage-backed securities right now. So the mortgage-backed securities, those are up as we would expect to see them. So that's a nice thing because when the mortgage-backed securities go up, that means interest rates are heading southbound. They're going down for you. So that is a – most of us think that that's good. Uh, You know, we watch it all the time. So we're we're monitoring these because we are at a very, very – Serious inflection point. So if you think about this, we've got about, uh, I don't know, 30 basis points to go, maybe less than that to get to. I guess a lot less than that now this morning. So we're at 103.83 is where we're sitting right now. And we've got a 103.87 is a ceiling. If we hit that ceiling, if we break through that ceiling, that could lead to some very, very interesting issues because we already told you last Thursday, or we didn't tell you Wednesday, I mean that we were at all-time lows on interest rates so we're watching that for especially for our private clients we watch that like a hawk for the private clients because that's what they pay us for let's take a look and see what else is going on in the markets today and i'm going to give you the, the next segment the a a discussion because I, I did share this covid issues no one wants to talk about these these part of it don't know why. I guess it's good good radio, good TV to continue scaring people. But we're gonna talk about some medical doctors that have some difference of opinion than the non-medical doctor in Los Angeles. The health doctor in LA is a PhD. So wonder why we follow the PhD more than we follow the medical doctors. <laughs> you got to just wonder about some of these things. Dr. Barbara Ferrar, F-E-R-R-E-R. So here's the issue. You know, being that no one talks about the fact, I I didn't realize this until just recently, not a medical doctor is the one that's giving all the medical guidance to Los Angeles County. (laughs) I don't know, maybe uh, you think that that's the norm. I'm a little surprised by it when I learned that. But we move right along, and I'll talk to you about that in a little bit. So let's see what else is going on. The president, in his first interview over the weekend, says the DOJ, Department of Justice, missing an action on ale- an alleged election fraud. So we'll see where that story goes. Pennsylvania Supreme Court dismisses the Republican congressman's bid to toss mail in ballots and halt the certification. The Trump campaign eyes the Supreme Court battle after appeals panel losses in Pennsylvania. See if the Supreme Court takes that up. Senator Tom Cotton out there in the news, again, slams Biden's unity, quote-unquote, platform on Twitter, points to the administration's picks. Anybody can can say that they're going to be a unity president, they're going to be a unity politician. But what they do really tells you more about them than what they say they're going to do. Biden also picked his White House communications team. Raises questions over a revolving door with liberal networks uh, because these folks are all basically coming right from the liberal uh, networks end, or they're coming from the big tech. Unbelievable there. Kamala Harris slammed for tweet- sucking up to small businesses after bailing out rioters. Think about that one. So Kamala Harris is out there t- talking about how great small business is when she goes and puts together a coalition to bail out the people that are killed are small businesses. How's that one work? <laughs> you gotta really wonder. The Democrats are feuding over who Biden will pick as his agriculture secretary. Progressively wants squad member Rashida Tlaib in the cabinet. See how well that would go over if the Republicans hold the Senate and see how well that goes in confirmation hearings. Biden coronavirus advisors make grim prediction after the Thanksgiving holiday. A member of President-elect Joe Biden's COVID-19 advisory board on Saturday made a grim prediction about U.S. coronavirus cases in the coming weeks after millions of Americans traveled for Thanksgiving despite warnings from public health officials. Are we getting tired of hearing from these public health officials Is it kind of the boy who cried wolf? And yes, don't tell me. I know that there are some people, I've had some of my family, who have gotten extremely sick from the coronavirus. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying maybe it's not what we were told it's going to be. Maybe it's not what we thought it would be. But the corrupt big pharma, my opinion, corrupt big pharma is making a huge amount of money on this. So do you think they're going to tell anybody the truth? I I mean, I was talking to some folks last night about the vaccine. I don't know that I want to take the vaccine. I'm going to tell you straight out, most vaccines, we want to know what they're going to do over a long period of time, not over five or six months. And when I tell you in the next segment about some of these statistics that medical doctors are coming up with, but the media doesn't want to tell you about, do you think? And I'm going to give you all the citations for it as well. And I'm going to also give you a a book or a white paper that I've read recently or I've been reading. I should have brought it with me, but I don't have it here. But I'll, I'll, I'll get you the name of it, talking about what's going on with masks. Yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of these different issues that the media doesn't want to cover, but you can hear it first on Ron Siegel Radio. I will tell you the truth. Whole Food CEO slams socialism as trickle-up poverty. Yeah, I, I've shared this with you before. The, the people on the top of the pyramid, yeah, they're not, their lifestyle is not going to change. They will change the lifestyles of those that are below them on the food pyramid. So think about that. Do you think that the guy on top is going to take a pay cut? Or is he going to lay off some people that are lower down? Just throw that out there. Senator Rand Paul claims statistical quote unquote fraud in states where Trump lost calls out big tech. That's going to the Supreme Court, we hope. We'll see what happens there. All that and more. We've got to have a got a good broadcast. I think I think we've got a great broadcast for you today. Tips for homebuyers who want to make a competitive offer. We're going to talk about a sensible and compassionate. Anti-COVID strategy, what you should look for in a secured credit card, all that and more. You can reach me anytime I offer a number, 800-306-1990, 800-306-1990, or ronsegalradio.com. Connect with us, facebook.com forward slash Radio on Twitter at ronsegal. And if you miss any part of our broadcast, shame on you, but the replay is available, Ron Siegel, one on YouTube, Ron Siegel, the numero one on YouTube. Stay tuned, we'll be back in just a few. Thank you.
4: with ron anytime you're entering a real estate transaction having someone who can answer all of your questions that truly cares about you and your family's best interest is priceless call Ron people today and you'll be glad you did 1-800-306-1990 that's 1-800-306-1990 or you can visit realestateradiowithron.com for more info
3: However, due to today's lower stock market, higher medical bills, and taxes, many retirees face this very problem. This is why it is necessary that you, as a baby boomer, considering retirement within the next 10 years, understand reverse mortgages and what one could do for you or your parents. A reverse mortgage could make it possible for you or your parents to travel, buy a second home, or start a new business. For more information about reverse mortgages, just call our off-air number at one 800 306-1990. That's 1-800-306-1990. Or visit realestateradiowithron.com and click the free workshop button. Nineteen ninety, the mortgage minute today. We've got a new sponsor, Geneva Financial. It is bringing us the mortgage minute today. You can text my home mortgage to seven nine five six four, my home mortgage to seven nine five six four, or Ron is my So, what is going on in the markets today? The, the Dow Jones now down three hundred sixty two points. Nasdaq down sixty four points. S and P five hundred. Down 34 points. Are we seeing a little bit of a pattern here? 10-year treasury, the yield is now flat. So uh, that means that bond went up a little bit. I told you it probably would. The mortgage-backed securities, that bond is up eight basis points, which means interest rates are down. Again, if you're thinking about financing a new home, give us a call, 800-306-1990. i would be happy to have the private client group help you out there. So why is all of this happening? Well, we're looking at the city panic, Citibank, pan, Citigroup. I guess I used to, like, dating myself, calling it Citibank, Citigroup. Their panic euphoria index moved up to one ten, which is in the level of extreme bullishness. This is a contrarian indicator and often results in lower stock prices ahead. If we were to see a pullback from these levels. It could help mortgage bond prices move even higher, which means interest rates would go down even more. So think about this as one of those things that when the whole world is all excited about something, generally an indication that maybe you want to be going the other way. Just throw that out there for you. I remember even at the time of the dot-com bubble, yes, I am that old, so at the time of the dot-com bubble, I was working at Merrill Lynch at the time, and the concept was when you start getting, now it's kind of difficult right now, if you start getting stock tips from your taxi driver, we don't have them too much anymore, but I guess now we'd call it an Uber driver if they're still around because of what's going on in this marketplace. And with the, the shutdowns, the, the I guess I would call them the political shutdowns, When you start getting those those stock tips there, it's generally a time that you want to be getting out of the market. That's when a lot of the what they call smart money, institutional money, goes to the sidelines. Because they start realizing that, you know something, if everybody's out there buying these things, they're going to push the prices up artificially. Not going to be good for the long-term investors, so they'll wait until those things get to the very, very top they start shorting them riding them all the way down while all these individuals lose their money and then they buy them when they go back down just throw that out there for you that's the way it works so be careful anytime that euphoria index gets over about 0.9 that's when you got to really start being careful and we're at 1.2 right now it's probably nearing one of the, the high i mean it's obviously it's a it's a high for the last 12 months Pending home sales, they came out once again. Please be careful of listening to the ignorant media. Heard it again this morning, Diana Olick coming out and giving bum information, as she's known to do. Maybe it's it bum information or is it ignorance? I'm not exactly sure which one it is, but after all this time of her doing these things, she should know better. Penning's home sales measures signed contracts in existing homes Down 11% in October. Down 11%, 1.1% in October. I'm sorry, the screen is a little small for these old eyes. Less than the 2% gain expected, but uh, sales still up 20.2% year over year. The month over month decline was not due to a lack of demand, but a lack of supply. Still impressive that sales are up. 20.2% year-over-year, with inventory down 20%. Media cited affordability, but they just don't understand. Really, affordability? The media looks at the median home price, which is up 15.5%. If you've been listening to Ron Segal Radio for any length of time, you know that doesn't measure appreciation. Appreciation, while still very strong, is up closer to 7% year-over-year, and with incomes rising by 5.6%, Homes are not getting less affordable. Remember, you don't use all of your income on your mortgage payment. There's a relationship there. And because of that relationship, incomes do not have to keep pace in lockstep with affordability. If you used one-fifth of your income on your purchase, that means you put 20% down and home prices went up 5%, you'd only need your income to go up 1%. And we've seen that happening a lot under the Trump administration. So just be cognizant of that. Don't listen to the media because a lot of them are are really clueless. I know it's a holiday time. And I'm going to give you an idea of how this really works. And I don't know what the last big fad that you might have have found. I mean, you remember Cabbage Patch dolls way back when? Everybody wanted them. So does that mean when they, were, they couldn't find them? And Actually, here, think about this one. This is fascinating. If I were to tell you that this past weekend, toilet paper sales were down at Costco, would you say that the demand was down? Because I'd also tell you that many of their stores had no inventory. So they weren't selling any. Does that mean demand was down? No, there was no supply of it. Same thing with housing. When there's no supply, you don't have to worry because the demand has to go, the, the, the sales have to go down if there's nothing to sell. Throw that out there for you. Got a big week, though. Jobs week again this week. ADP employment report and the BLS jobs report due for a release on Wednesday and Thursday, respectively. The market is expecting 400,000 job creations in the ADP report. 500,000 jobs in the BLS jobs report. The unemployment rate is expected to drop from 69 to 6.8%. And Tuesday, we're going to see Jerome Powell speaking. Wednesday, the mortgage applications come out as well. We're going to also see on Thursday initial jobless claims. And I told you the BLS report that is coming out. So we are watching all of that for you. That is the mortgage minute brought to you by our friends at gold I'm sorry Geneva Financial I've had that so long in my mind that it's gold star Geneva Financial is is uh, bringing you the report today So here's the issue We've and you can say all you want about COVID-19 it is a dangerous disease I'm Not gonna dispute that but there are a lot of dangerous diseases right there are I mean, we've had malaria, we've had measles, we've had chicken pox, we've had polio, we've had uh, many, many types of cancer, we've had all kinds of issues, right? I mean, it's not, nothing new, but here's the issue, and I'm going to say that in March of this year, many of us were really concerned about this particular virus, I know of people in my own family who were extremely sick. I've got friends who have lost relatives to this virus. Very, very sick. I get it. But is it the death sentence that we were all told it is? Well, early on, we didn't know any different. But I'm going to look at a a report right now. And I'm going to tell you I can't say the doctor's name. It's very difficult. The first name is Jay. That's easy. Bhattacharya, I think is the way you say his last name, Bhattacharya, B-H-A-T-T-A-C-H-A-R-Y-A. Professor of medicine, Stanford University, where he received both an MD, doctor degree, medical doctor, and a PhD in economics. Also a research associate at the National Bureau of Economics Research, a senior fellow at Stanford Institute for Economic Policy Research, and at the Freeman Spogli Institute for International Studies. He's got a lot, a lot of credentials, a lot of credentials. So in an October 9th discussion or presentation in Omaha, Hillsdale College Free Market Forum, they have came out with some findings that are a little bit different than what you and I might have been hearing. His goal, there was to present the facts about how deadly COVID-19 actually is, second to present the facts about who is at risk from COVID. Third, to present some facts about how deadly the widespread lockdowns have been. Oh, we better not be saying that. How deadly the widespread lockdowns have been. And he also came up with a shift in public policy. So we've got four different topics that he came up with at this this, uh, event. And we're going to go into them in the next segment. We're going to also talk a bit about tips for home buyers who want to make a competitive offer. What you should look for in a secured credit card. All that and more. You can reach me anytime. Our off-air number, 800-306-1990. 800-306-1990 or Connect with us. Facebook.com forward slash Radio on Twitter at ronsegal. And if you miss any part of our broadcast, shame on you. But The replay is available. Ron Siegel one on YouTube. Ron Siegel, the number one on YouTube. Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few. We are here to help. Whether you're buying a home, selling, you're experiencing a loan modification, short sale, foreclosure, there are a lot of things going on in this marketplace. How can people get a hold of you? Real easy. All you have to do is call. The number is 1-800-306-1990. Press option one. Interesting times in the market right now. Where do you think the markets are going from here? That's a great question. All I can say is this.
4: ronismylender.com
1: are you currently renting a home do you like paying someone else's mortgage payment why not explore the options to purchase your own home can you imagine a 30-year fixed rate below 3.5 percent apr this means with ten thousand five hundred dollars you can purchase a three hundred thousand dollar home and have a principal and interest payment of about thirteen hundred dollars per month what are you paying in rent
3: Text SLT Home Digest. SLT Home Digest to 79564. Find your dream home before someone else does. SLT Home Digest. 79564. Right now, I told you in the last segment about how difficult it is as far as the inventory side of of, buying of homes, but people out there wanting to buy a home right now. Can't find anything to buy. So we thought we'd give you some tips. For home buyers who want to make a competitive offer, and as I shared, the real estate market has higher buyer interest and low housing inventory with so many buyers competing. For a limited number of homes, it's more important than ever to know the ins and outs of making a confident and competitive offer. Five keys to success for this important stage in the home buying process. Number one, listen to your real estate agent. A recent article from Freddie Mac offers guidance on making an offer on a home in today's market. Right off the bat, it points out how emotional this can be for buyers and why trusted professionals can help you stay focused on the most important things. Quote, remember to let your home buying team guide you on your journey, not your emotions. Their support and expertise will keep you from compromising on your must-haves And future financial stability, unquote, your real estate professional, should be your primary source for answers to the questions you have when you're ready to make an offer. Number two, understand your finances. Having a complete understanding of your budget and how much house you can afford is essential. The best way to know this is to reach out to your lender to get pre-approved for a loan early in the home buying process. Only 44% of today's prospective home buyers are planning to apply for pre-approval, so be sure to take this step so you stand out from the crowd. It shows sellers you're a serious, qualified buyer and give, can give you a competitive edge if you enter a bidding war. Number three, be ready to move quickly. According to the Realtors Confidence Index, published monthly by the National Association of Realtors, The average property being sold today is receiving more than three offers and is only on the market for a few weeks. These are both results of today's competitive market, showing how important it is to stay agile and vigilant in your search. As soon as you find the right home for your needs, be prepared to work with your agent to submit an offer as quickly as possible. Number four, make a fair offer. It's only natural to want the best deal you can get on a home, however... Freddie Mac also warns that submitting an offer that's too low can lead sellers to doubt how serious you are as a buyer. Do not submit an offer that will be tossed out as soon as it's received. The expertise your agent brings to this part of the process will help you stay competitive. Quote, your agent will work with you to make an informed offer based on the market value of the home, the condition of the home, and recent home sale prices in the area, unquote. Number five. Be a flexible negotiator. After submitting an offer, the seller may accept it, reject it, or counter it with their own changes. In a competitive market, it's important to stay nimble throughout the negotiation process. Your position can be strengthened with an offer that includes flexible move-in dates, a higher price, or minimal contingencies. Those are conditions you set that the seller must meet for the purchase to be finalized. There are, however, certain contingencies you do not want to forego. Freddie Mac explains, quote, resist the temptation to waive the inspection contingency, especially in a hot market or if the home is being sold as is, which means the seller won't pay for repairs. Without an inspection contingency, you could be stuck with a contract on a house you cannot afford to fix, unquote. Bottom line, today's competitive market makes it more important than ever to make a strong offer on a home and a trusted expert can help you rise to the top along the way. That's the real time real estate segment again brought to you by the Area Trusted Real Estate Professionals of Ron Segal Radio. Text SLT Home Digest to 79564. Find your dream home before someone else does. So, for the break, I started chatting with you a little bit about a sensible and compassionate anti COVID strategy. I'm getting a lot of my data here from a Stanford University professor of medicine, and he is a a medical doctor and a PhD in economics. Bright guy. That's why I can use his stuff, sharing his information with you, because he's the bright one. I am the radio guy that shares. So we were talking about the ideas of what the good doctor was presenting at Hillsdale College back in early October. Why didn't the media at all cover any of this? So, first item that he covered in here was the COVID-19 fatality rate. In discussing the deadliness of COVID, he says we need to distinguish COVID cases from COVID infections. A lot of fear and confusion has resulted from failing to understand the difference. Heard much this year about the case fatality rate, that's quote-unquote case fatality rate of COVID. In early March, the case fatality rate in the U.S. was roughly 3%, nearly three out of every 100 people who identified as quote-unquote cases of COVID in early March died from it. Compare that to today when the fatality rate of COVID is known to be less than one-half of one percent. In other words, When the World Health Organization said back in early March that 3% of people who get COVID die from it, they were wrong by at least one order of magnitude. The COVID fatality rate is much closer to 0.2 or 0.3%. And the reason for the highly inaccurate early estimates is simple. In early March, we were not identifying most of the people who had been infected by covid Quote, case fatality, unquote, is computed by dividing the number of deaths by the total number of confirmed cases. And to obtain an accurate COVID fatality rate, the number of de- of the de- in the nom- denominator should be the number of people who have been infected, the number of people who have actually had the illness, had the disease, rather than the number of confirmed cases. In March, only the small fraction of infected people who got sick and went to the hospital, were identified as cases, but the majority of the people who are infected by COVID have very mild symptoms or no symptoms at all. Let me repeat that. The majority of people who are infected by COVID have very mild symptoms or no symptoms at all. These people were not identified in the early days, which resulted in a highly misleading fatality rate, and that is what drove public policy. Even worse, it continues to sow fear and panic because the perception of too many people about COVID is frozen in the misleading data from March. So how do we get an accurate fatality rate? To use a technical term, test for seroprevalence. In other words, they test to find out how many people have evidence in their bloodstream of having had COVID. Easy with some viruses. Anyone who has had chickenpox, for instance still has that virus living in them. It stays in the body forever. COVID, on the other hand, like other coronaviruses, does not stay in the body. Someone who is infected with COVID and then clears it will be immune from it, but it won't still be living in them. Again, all of this is according to the good doctor. What we need to test for are antibodies or other evidence that someone has had COVID and even antibodies fade over time. So testing for them still results in an underestimate of total infections. Seroprevalence is what they worked on in the early days of the epidemic. In April, he ran a series of studies using antibody tests to see how many people in California, Santa Clara County, where he lives, had been infected. At the time, there were about 1,000 COVID cases that had been identified in the county, but his antibody tests found that 50,000 people had been affected. That's 50 times more infections that were identified cases. Very, very important because it meant that the fatality rate was not 3%, but closer to 0.2%, not 3 in 100, but 2 in 1,000. When it came out, this Santa Clara study was controversial. But science is like that if we get to hear true science and not what the media wants to, to tell us or what some of the big tech companies want us to know. The way science tests controversial studies is to see if they can be replicated. Indeed, there are now 82 similar seroprevalence studies from around the world and the median result from the 82 studies is that a fatality rate of about 0.2%, exactly what they found in Santa Clara County. Some places of course the fatality rate was higher. New York City was more like 0.5%. 0.5%. In other places, it was lower. The rate in Idaho was 0.13%. What this various variation shows is that the fatality rate is not simply a function of how deadly a virus is. It's also a function of who gets infected and how the quality of the health care system. In the early days of the virus, our health care systems managed COVID poorly. Part of this was due to ignorance. They pursued very aggressive treatments, for instance, such as the use of ventilators. That, in retrospect, might have been counterproductive, and part of it was due to negligence. In some places, that needlessly allowed a lot of people in nursing homes to get infected. The bottom line is that the COVID fatality rate is in the neighborhood of 0.2%. 0.2%. Interesting. We're going to chat more about this when we come back. You're listening to Ron Siegel Radio discussing your real estate, current events, and the financial markets. When we come back, we're going to also chat a bit about what you should look for in a secured credit card, and we'll get to the other items in this COVID strategy that was presented by doctor, medical doctor and Ph.D., Jay Bhattacharya, professor of medicine at Stanford University, Again, he got his M.D. and his Ph.D. in economics there. You can reach me anytime. I'll offer number 800-306-1990, 800-306-1990 or ronsigalradio.com. Come back with us, facebook.com forward slash Radio On Twitter, at Ron Siegel. And if you miss any part of our broadcast, Ron Siegel 1 on YouTube. Ron Siegel, the numeral 1 on YouTube. Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few.
2: Well, welcome back to Ron Segal Radio. Within every market, there are solutions
3: as well as tremendous opportunities. You just need some trusted guidance. That is my message, and I will be delivering it every day on Ron Segal Radio anytime at 800-306-1990. 800-306-1990, the Your Credit Matters segment today being brought to you by MySoCalLender.com, yes, MySoCalLender.com, what you should look for in a secured credit card. A secured credit card can be a useful tool if you're looking to build a credit history. Since a refundable security deposit is held as collateral with these cards, they often come with more relaxed credit requirements, but not all secured credit cards are created equal. Some come with better terms and benefits than others. Here are a few factors you'll want to pay attention to as you're shopping for a secured credit card fees. Since some secured cards can be targeted toward borrowers with limited poor damaged credit, some charge expensive annual fees. Additionally, some cards charge monthly maintenance fees or other charges that can be avoided. If you're someone with heavily damaged credit, it may be worth it to pay a small annual fee for a no credit check secured credit card. Otherwise, you want to avoid cards that charge fees, as there are plenty of no-fee or low-fee options available. Some of the best-secured cards will promise to consider graduating cardholders to partially unsecured by increasing the credit line or fully unsecured version by refunding the security deposit of the card after a certain number of on-time payments. For example... One card issuer will consider increasing a card member's credit line after just six months of on-time payments. Another card will begin reviewing accounts after just eight months to see if they can be transitioned to a deposit-free version. Other secured cards, however, offer no such clear graduation path, with some, in fact, the only way to get back your security deposit may be to close your account, which is not ideal. When possible, opt for a secured card. That includes the graduation component, deposit amount. By definition, all secured cards will require a security deposit, but the deposit requirements with some cards are more manageable than others. According to CFPB, most secured cards range between $50 and $300. So if a card issuer is asking for a larger deposit than that, you may want to keep looking for better options. Interest rates. Hopefully you won't ever have to pay interest rate charges on your secured credit card but you still want to avoid the cards that charge exorbitant rates. Compare the current rates of several secured cards to make sure that the one you apply for is near or below the average credit report. of for most people, the primary reason that they're considering a secured credit card is because they're looking to build a positive credit history. But your on-time payments cannot impact your FICO scores if they don't show up on the reports. That's why it's critical you choose a secured card that will report your credit activity to all three major credit bureaus. If the card that you're considering does not openly advertise its credit reporting policy, keep digging until you confirm that the credit bureaus will be receiving the reports. Credit limits on a secured card. Usually they're gonna be equal to your security deposit. That means you'll typically be dealing with a credit limit of $300 or less to keep your credit utilization below 30% on the card. With a $300 limit, you need to spend no more than $90 $90 per month. However, some cards will allow you to make larger security deposits as high as $5,000. If you have a large chunk of savings available to put down as a security deposit, it be worth it in some cases. Think about that part of it. That is the Your Credit Matters segment brought to you by creditsanitizer.com. RonIsMyLender.com actually is the best place to go. RonIsMyLender.com. We're going to continue our COVID strategy discussion or anti-COVID dis- strategy discussion. Why do I bring that up on a home and finance show? Well, I know a lot of small businesses, they're hurting right now. A lot of business people are hurting right now. A lot of individuals are hurting right now because information is not getting out. And that's what I do is share information with you. So I'm sharing a report that, or a a, a a discussion, a presentation Delivered by Dr. J. Bhattacharya. I don't know if I said his last name correctly. B-H-A-T-T-A-C-H-A-R-Y-A. Professor of medicine at Stanford University where he earned his medical degree and PhD in economics. So if you haven't caught all of the different parts of this, what we've talked about so far in the broadcast, you're missing it. You should go back and get a hold of it. So I already talked about the COVID-19 fatality rate and what is actually so versus what many people believe. Number two, who's at risk? The single most important fact about the COVID pandemic in terms of deciding how to respond to it on both an individual and a governmental basis is that it is not equally dangerous for everybody. This became clear very early on, but for some reason our public health messaging failed to get this fact out to the public. It still seems to be common perception that COVID is equally dangerous to everybody, but this could not be further from the truth. There is a thousand-fold difference between the mortality rate in older people, 70 and up, and the mortality rate in children. In some cases, this is a great blessing. If it was a disease that killed children preferentially, I, for one, would react very differently. But the fact is that for young children, this disease is less dangerous than the seasonal flu. This year, in the United States, more children have died from the seasonal flu than from COVID by a factor of two or three. Whereas COVID is not deadly for children, for older people it is much more deadly than the seasonal flu. If you look at studies worldwide, the COVID fatality rate for people 70 and up is about 4%. Four in 100 among those 70 and older, as opposed to two in 1,000 in the overall population. Again, this huge difference between the danger of COVID to the young and the danger of COVID to the old is the most important fact about the virus, yet it has not been sufficiently emphasized in public health messaging or taken into account by most policymakers. Third on our list, deadliness of the lockdowns. The widespread lockdowns have been adopted in response to COVID are unprecedented. Lockdowns have never before been tried as a method of disease control, nor were these lockdowns part of the original plan. The initial rationale for lockdowns was slowing the spread of the disease would prevent hospitals from being overwhelmed. It became clear before long that this was not a worry. In the U.S. and in most of the world, hospitals were never at risk of being overwhelmed, yet the lockdowns were kept in place, and this is turning out to have deadly effects. Those who dare to talk about the tremendous economic harms that have followed from the lockdowns are accused of heartlessness. Economic considerations are nothing compared to saving lives, they are told. So I'm not going to talk about the economic effects. I'm going to talk about the deadly effects on health, beginning with the fact that the UN has estimated that 130 million additional people will starve this year as a result of the economic damage resulting from the lockdowns. In the last 20 years, we've lifted 1 billion people worldwide out of poverty. This year, we're reversing that progress to the the extent it bears repeating that an estimated 130 million people will starve. Another result of the lockdown is that people stopped bringing their children in for immunizations against diseases like diphtheria, pertussis, which is whooping cough, and polio, because they've been led to fear COVID more than they feared these mere deadly diseases, this wasn't only true in the U.S., 80 million children worldwide are now at risk of these diseases We had made substantial progress in slowing them down, but then now they're going to come back. Oof. Large number of Americans, even though they had cancer and needed chemotherapy, did not go in for treatment because they were more afraid of COVID than cancer. Others have skipped recommended cancer screenings. So we're going to see a rise in cancer and cancer death rates as a consequence. Indeed, this is already starting to show up in the data. We're also going to see a higher number of deaths from diabetes due to people missing their diabetic monitoring. Mental health problems are, in a way, the most shocking thing. In June of this year, the CDC survey found that one in four young adults between 18 and 24 had seriously considered suicide. Human beings are not, after all, designed to live alone. We're meant to be in company with one another. It is unsurprising that the lockdowns have had the psychological effects that they've had, especially among young adults and children who have been denied much-needed socialization. In effect, what we've been doing is requiring young people to bear the burden of controlling a disease from which they face little to no risk. Kind of backward thinking it is, don't you think? So where do we go from here? Last week, the doctor met two other epidemiologists, Dr. Sunetra Gupta, of Oxford University and Dr. Martin Kuldorf of Harvard University in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. The three of them come from very different disciplinary backgrounds and from very different parts of the political spectrum yet arrived at the same view, the view that the widespread lockdown policy has been a devastating public health mistake. In response, they wrote and issued the Great Barrington Declaration which can be viewed along with explanatory videos, answers to frequent asked questions, and a list of co-signers online at www.gbdeclaration.org, georgeboydeclaration.org. Matt has some great information in there as well. I highly recommend you taking a look at that because a lot of these things people don't want to talk about. I've got the whole report. I haven't been able to get to this whole thing just because we don't have enough time. You're listening to Ron Segal Radio, and I ask set that first radio preset button to come back here every day to join Ron Segal Radio, where we only speak about items affecting your house and your bank account. Thanks to all of our sponsors. A big thanks to John and Sean who are engineering us today. And, of course, a special thanks to you for spending a little bit of your day with us. That's all for Ron Segal Radio. Again, if you have any questions or to meet any of our guests, call me anytime, 800-306-1990, 800-306-1990, or And remember... Make a lot of money so you can help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time on Ron Segal Radio. Lights
0: go out can be and I tried to swim. With lucky
1: landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
4: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps>